welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And, hey, that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, we do have to have some fun along the way, don't we? Well, hi, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate questions or if you have any comments about the show, we do appreciate hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at com, Or reach out to us through your favorite social media. You can find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have an incredible show for you. We're covering the traits of dominant brokers. If you're a commercial real estate agent or broker, or if you're thinking about getting in the business, this show will be a goldmine of information. If you're an experienced broker, well, you will really appreciate the show. My guest is Rod Santamassimo, author of Brokers Who Dominate, Eight Traits of Top Producers. Rod is founder and president of the Massimo Group, North America's leading coaching and consulting organization focused on the commercial real estate brokerage community. Rod, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us today. Well, Happy New Year, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And, and listeners, if you're not familiar with Rod, you should be. The Massimo Group provides incredible coaching and consulting services for commercial real estate brokers. Uh, we've had them out to our offices at Bull Realty, and we highly recommend them. And, uh, Rod, first of all, I've read your book, Brokers Who Dominate. Uh, it is a fabulous book. I mean, the combination of your recommendations along with your interviews of these top producers is an incredible read and an incredible opportunity for commercial agents. And, and some of my agents said your book was sold out last month. Were uh, sales more robust than you expected? Yes, I will tell you, Michael, sales have been more robust. In fact, we're on our third printing now, and half of the pre-orders, or half of those things we've printed, excuse me, have already been uh, called for, said for from pre-orders. So we continue to uh, underestimate the the uh, demand for the book, but you know, we'll continue to forge ahead. Well, you know, if you're in a professional services uh, business, or uh, e- even, or of course if you're in real estate, it's an incredible read, and I recommend it. Well, Rod, as I've told you in the past, you know, I think your coaching for commercial agents is awesome. But I'd like to talk to you about these eight traits of top producers you share in your book. I like your acronym for these traits, DOMINATE. And so let's start with D, uh, DISCIPLINED. Right? Brokers who dominate are disciplined. Uh, discipline is huge, isn't it? Oh, discipline really, it all starts with discipline. When I, when I interviewed literally hundreds of brokers for the book and then narrowed down to the, I believe it was 23 we, we finished with, I found one commonality of top producers. They all are very disciplined in their approach to their craft of commercial real estate. It wasn't a vacation. It was a vocation. And, and for that, they had a specific way they approached their business. So being disciplined while they're getting the office early or how they create their day or how they approach their business was absolutely key. Right. I mean, they have to have a, a plan, and then they have to run that plan every day, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Every day it's about time management, allocation, working the plan, never giving up, being consistent, being persistent. So you have to have that approach, and every day you have to look in the mirror and say, hey, I have to go out and uh, earn my living today. That's part of it. And how can brokers find that discipline if they like to have more discipline in their practice? Uh, how, how might they get that? Well, you know, we, we at, the, at the Mosma Group, when we coach our clients, and maybe some of those who do, in fact, lack discipline, we start small, simple steps, simple habit-changing uh, approaches that you implement consistently over time, whether it be, hey, this, this month I'm going to get to the office every day by whatever time it might be, 8 o'clock, 
6 o'clock, 4 in the morning some people hit the office. It depends on what you pick one habit and try to hit that consistently for a short period of time. And we've been told at least 21 days to make that habit stick. I see. So after 21 days, maybe then it becomes a habit. That's correct. Great. And if you're a broker and you get and you start at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning at your office, I want you at my office. <laughs> I like that discipline. Well, the next letter in Dominate is, is O, oriented, oriented to the client. And, you know, that sounds like everyone should know the power of working with the client's best interest over your own interest is paramount, but it's, but it's really more powerful than brokers realize, isn't it? Well, it really is, and quite frankly, it, it can be difficult, especially in these times when you know, the economy is not as, as flush as it happened in prior years. So we, we focus on earning money, getting our commissions, and therefore the focus may tilt away from the client. But by focusing on the client, the long-term relationships you'll establish and the opportunities from those relationships are really limitless. So it's, it's easy to say, everyone says it, Michael, yeah, of course I focus on the client, but maybe instead they're focusing on the transaction, completely different. Well, it's really you know, an easy button uh, when you're trying to make decisions in your business if you have the client's best interest in mind, isn't it? It absolutely is, and you have to make that client. One, one trick, uh, for example, a, a gentleman in the book, uh, Bruce Lauer down in Tampa, Florida, he really focused on making his client look good either their clients or to their superiors. And in that way, the client is enriched, that relationship's enriched, and therefore it's more long-term. Great approach. Yeah. I remember I was about, I think, 23 years old is when it hit me. I was always figuring what my commission was on a deal I was working on, and then I saw it hit me one day. I had enough deals under contract that uh, I didn't figure out what that commission was. And from then on, I was working in the client's best interest at all times, and it really made the business uh, do really well at that point. Well, the fact that you learned it at 23 is fantastic. It says a lot about you, Michael. Well, at 23, I thought I knew everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the next letter is M for market presence. Uh, tell us about the various types of market presence, Rod. Well, presence is absolutely paramount. I mean, you, you've got to have presence in this real estate world because, let's face it, we're all getting bombarded with emails and signs and flyers. Everything is coming at us, but you have to create a presence. And the three ways we describe the presence in the book and the way we actually apply it in the Mossimo Group is, look, look at three things you can, you can do easily for presence. So number one is the personal side, the face-to-face, the one-on-ones. Great way to create presence and do that. Number two is the physical side, something in the mail, something they can touch, they can feel. So many people do not rely on physical presence. They rely on the digital side. That's the third element. And of course, digital is the email blast, the email newsletters, the LinkedIn, the, the Twitter, the Facebook, all that. Those three forms of presence can definitely put you in position. But, Michael, more importantly, that's just part of the puzzle. We say at the Mossman Group, hey, presence plus prospecting equals production. you still got to ask for the business. Right. you still got to get out there and, and make sure they know that you're, you're looking for business, that you've got opportunities for them to look at, right? Absolutely correct. And, and, and it's just amazing. People will say, hey, I sent out 1,000 flyers or I sent out X number of blogs a month and still not working. Well, it's just part of the puzzle. Right. And they also can't just do one, right, and expect that to work. Oh, it's a consistent campaign. It absolutely is. And that, that we call that the presence pyramid, those three elements of, of personal, physical, digital. And the number of times you have to do that on a, on a frequency thereof all impacts your ability to turn a, any opportunity into a warm call. Right. So if you're just doing the face-to-face, you're just doing the, the meetings and the calls, and you're not doing the other things, it still may be a difficult process, even though that's the number one way to produce business, right? That's correct. Okay. 
Well, I is the next letter in which you stress the importance of industry focus. You know, some agents, especially in smaller markets, do fine as a generalist. Uh, in larger markets, the efficiency of working as a specialty uh, or in a specialty is key, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. And one thing we, we do outline in the book itself is it's an industry or geography focus. No doubt in smaller markets, happen to be in one today, which I'm visiting uh, at this point in time. You know, the brokers in this market, it's a smaller tertiary market. They, they can't focus on one specific niche. It's just there's no velocity there. So certainly that's widen their niche. We call that diversified or focused diversification. So if you're in office, maybe you do flex as well. Maybe you do something in the warehouse side. But you definitely don't jump to multifamily. But you have to be focused on some niche. You have to provide some value to your clients. Obviously, in the secondary markets and primary markets, you've got to pick one, maybe two niches specifically where you're going to be the expert in the marketplace and be known as that expert. Right. And the efficiency is incredible. I mean, if, if you're charged with going out and calling on people uh, to buy different types of properties and you're doing all kinds of different properties all the time, that can be laborious and, and you're not going to have relationships. But if all your, you have 11 listings and they're all retail shopping centers, then those calls are all fun. They're all efficient, aren't they? They absolutely are, and you know, and one of our one of our actual clients at the Mossma Group um, outlined for us as a New York City client. They outlined how they have this police approach, the patrol approach, where their brokers have to be the patrolman on the street for specific blocks. Imagine that. So everyone in the block knows them and feels comfortable. Great analogy, it really was. And therefore, therefore, when they have a need, they reach out to that broker because they're comfortable with that broker who knows the streets very well. Right, and the clients, they're looking for that a lot of times, right? I mean, if you're a generalist, uh, you may not get the bigger, nicer listings because that seller uh, or landlord may be looking for somebody who's really focused, right? No, if you go into a beauty contest with competitors that are more focused than you and can show it and exhibit it, you're going to lose that contest every time because the client wants to sell that asset. And being a good guy is great, but ultimately you have to be the right guy for the position. Right that I'm best and I'm great, that doesn't work. They want to see that you're really focused. That's correct. Well, we're going to take a quick break. In a moment, we'll get right back to some more top traits from brokers who dominate from Ron Settamassimo. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcasts are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate subjects or property sectors, check out our show podcast. We had a great show recently on social media for business. That's a fabulous show if you're in any business, especially commercial real estate. On another show, we covered ways to increase cash flows and reduce taxes. We covered 1031 exchanges, cost segregation, and investing in real estate using self-directed IRAs. You can hear these shows and other recent shows while they're still available on iTunes and on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're covering the traits of dominant brokers. My guest is Rod Santamassimo, author of Brokers Who Dominate. Well, Rod, the next letter in your acronym for dominate is N, and you use the word navigate. What is the significance of navigating your career? Well, Michael, 
so many brokers jump the fence or move to another brokerage firm for all the wrong reasons, whether it be they think it's a higher commission split, they didn't go along with their managers, their friend says it's a better position, whatever it might be. And we found through looking at these top producers, if they made a change, they always made a change because it had a long-term impact on their plan of where they wanted to be. They didn't look at short-term goals. Oh, there's a higher commission split here. You know, this year looks better. I'll go over there. That happens an awful lot, especially in today's brokerage community. You've got to understand what your long-term goals are, and your moves have to align with those goals. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I had one agent in our office that left one day. He, had, he was making, netting about 250 a year. He walks in and is going to a rent-a-desk situation, and uh, he was bankrupt within a year and a half, uh, and now is flipping burgers at a, at a burger joint. And You know, you got to look at the total picture, don't you? Absolutely. You know, if it is a higher commission split, why is that? Where's the, where's, where are the resources? Where's, where's the client support and leverage? It's just that's not necessarily the answer or the best move for most brokers. Right. Well, the next letter in your acronym is A, and for A, use the word assertive. You know, commercial real estate business is tough without some appropriate level of being assertive, isn't it? You, you must be a serve. In fact, at the Mossman Group, we, we, we pre-screen all our clients and, and with under four variables. And one variable is the level of, of assertiveness because we have found through our years of looking at brokers and me working with brokers, thousands of brokers, the most successful happen to be also the most assertive. Okay. So if you're not naturally assertive, you have to change, change some of those habits to get to the point where you're more assertive in your pursuit for business. <laughs> right. One of my uh, managers once told me, he said, you know, you go out looking for these assertive guys that, to work in your office, and then when they're assertive, you're surprised. <laughs> uh, well, what if what if you feel like you're you would like to be more assertive? Uh, you're a broker. Uh, what are some things you can do there? Well, it depends on it depends on how far you have to get out of that comfort zone, Michael, to be, become assertive. Again, we'll go back to those natural behaviors and habit changing practices. So, assertive maybe maybe from a a social presence. It may be from a asking for business prospecting presence. But you have to just take one item, attack it, work on it, move forward, get comfortable with it, and go from there. Okay. And, and the next letter is T. And, uh, and you use the word team-oriented for T. What are the benefits of being team-oriented? Well, Michael, everyone who's a top producer has some type of team, whether it be uh, we had a gentleman in Owensboro, Kentucky, uh, Bo Barron. He has one assistant. Okay, so but he has a team. That one assistant is integrated and essential in his in his production. You look at someone like uh, John Huguenard in Chicago. He has 20 folks on his one team. They all have different roles on their team to support the vision of the team and, of course, support the growth of the individual broker. It's, it is paramount. T- team orientation is paramount if you expect to grow. If you're a single broker, you know, get a virtual assistant. Doesn't matter, but create your own team. And what are some tips uh, as far as finding the right team members? You know, we again, when we, we do a recruiting point for our clients, we again review them and their natural behaviors to where they fit in and how they can work with you. It's very important to find someone that can work with you, not that that is you. You don't want to duplicate yourself. You may want to duplicate some of the traits and habits and tasks you're responsible for, but find someone that works well with you. And there's a lot of screen tools you can use, and certainly you've got to do your homework when you build that team. Right. So if you're a real sales guy, but uh, you're not real paper-oriented, not real organized, uh, you want that organized guy on the, right, on the team, right? That's absolutely correct. Okay. Well, the last letter in your DOMINATE acronym is entrepreneurial. How important is this trait for the success of commercial agents? 
I would say it's probably the number one differentiator between brokers and business professionals in commercial real estate. They understand, top producers understand, no matter what, they have a business to run. Now look at Bob Knackle of Massey Knackle, number one firm in New York for the last 10 years based on transactions. Now, of course, Bob Knackle is the president of the, 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 the Massey Knackle company, but more importantly, he's a chairman of the board of his own internal group, his own internal team, because he recognizes he has a personal brokerage business. And that approach, if anyone can take, I don't care if you're Bob Knackle in New York or you're, again, maybe you're uh, Jill in, um, in North Dakota, you've got to take that approach and go ahead and go forth as you being the chairman of the board of your own company. Right. It's your business. Uh, you're sort of like a uh, – it's your business, right? You've got to have sales, marketing. You've got to have it organized like a business. You have sales, marketing, human capital plan, advertising plan, financial projections. You have to have it all. Right. And what are some tips there to, to help them run their business like a business? You know, you've you got to look at any business model and outline those five, four or five key characteristics of any business. So what is your marketing plan, which would be really your presence plan? What is your advertising plan? What's your sales plan, your prospecting plan? Look at your forecasted goals as far as – income and how you're going to achieve those goals is to support your lifestyle as far as looking at all your expenses. You've got to look at it as a business. And one thing I would suggest, Michael, get a board of advisors. Get, get a, a general board of advisors for you personally, your peers outside the industry, industry doesn't matter, mentors, and run your business like a business and have quarterly advisory meetings with your board. And one thing you're leaving out here that I know you, you agree with, and that's training. You've got to make sure you have that as part of your business plan, your ongoing training, right? At self-development, part of your human capital plan, whether it's that be someone you work with or how you improve yourself is paramount. Top producers invest in themselves. Let's face it. Each broker out there, their greatest asset is themselves. That's it. So they've got to invest in themselves. Right, invest in themselves in both the, the marketing, the training, um, and the tools as well. I mean, your your company may or may not have the best tools for you to be successful, so you need to find out what those tools are, find out how to use them, and make sure you have them, right? Absolutely true. There's, there's a plethora of third-party support tools out there available to any independent broker, regardless of what affiliation you may have with your company. And it seems like a lot of the brokers uh, in your book uh, recommended a real good uh, CRM program, right? Well, yeah. It doesn't matter which CRM program you use. People ask me that, that question all the time. I go, Rod, what's the best CRM? My answer is always the same. The one you're going to use. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the one. And there are a lot out there. Common ones, obviously, Michael, are ACT, ACT-CRE, REA, Salesforce, and they go on and on and on. But make sure you're going to use the tool. Having one's great. I don't believe Outlook's a CRM. It's a Rolodex. Huge difference. But you've got to have a platform to build your business and run that business of brokerage. Right. Outlook is, is sort of an email program. It's, it's not a customer relationship management uh, program. Absolutely agree. Right. Okay. We're going to take a short break. We'll have more from Rod Santamassimo and the Massimo Group after a quick break. If you appreciate the show, please reach out and thank our show sponsors. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcast are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. 
and by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more great commercial real estate information, you're invited to follow, friend, connect, get in the circle with the show. Of course, this is all possible by phone, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, email, Google+, and the show blog. I laugh. There's just so many ways we can all stay connected these days. Find your favorite one at the commercialrealestateshow.com website. Today, we're covering the traits of dominant brokers. My guest is Rod Santamassimo, author of Brokers Who Dominate. And by the way, the, uh, you can buy Brokers Who Dominate through our website at commercialrealestateshow.com. Maybe the page you're on, click there. It will go through to a site where you can check out this book and buy it. And, Rod, while we have you on the radio, I want to ask your advice in some other key areas for commercial agents. How does motivation rate in the success of commercial agents? <laughs> it's so important. I love the I love the motivation theme, and I'm always reminded of a Bill Parcells, a great football coach. They asked him, "How, how do you motivate your players?" And his response was, oh, "Well, that's easy. I only you know select players who are self motivated." <laughs> so that's a pretty simple way. But yeah, motivating your folks is paramount. Also, you want to select and have on your team self motivated individuals makes your job a lot easier. But look. What, what do brokers care about? Finding, winning, and closing business. That's what they care about. That's what motivates most brokers, finding, winning, and closing business. So are you providing the resources and the support to leverage their production? And not only that, that they can utilize and leverage from their client's perspective. Just don't think about the broker. Think how those resources will impact those client relationships because that will overall help them find and win and fulfill more business. What are some other ways to, to help with motivation? I mean, we all struggle a bit with motivation. I know I think I'm motivated, but some days I'm a lot more motivated than others. Are, are goals a way to help motivation? Our goals absolutely are, and goals work really well with self-motivated folks. It's just we, we show that again and again and again. It does. But if you, if you have goals, and you should have goals, by the way, make sure you have some platform of accountability. Because without the accountability, goals truly are meaningless. They're worthless. You have to have some format, either a mentorship program in, in, your, in your office or consistent, consistent, I mean consistent sales meetings and frequency, but have some form of accountability. That will get that motivation level up. Yeah, I know we had you out to our office, and uh, it was great having you out. I know there was some follow-up by your team. Hey, did you get this done? Did you get that done? And that accountability is really key, isn't it? It absolutely is. You know, we, we all have great plans, but you have to implement those plans to, to move it forward. You know, Michael, there's a, there's a saying, chickens have wishbones, humans have backbones. So let's not make some wishes here. Let's make it happen. <laughs> right. And, the, you know, a team also seems to help with accountability. I know – you know, the single agents in our office, uh, you know, they, their accountability is, is, is not there. But when they have a team, they're, they're accountable to each other, and the team seems to help in that regard, doesn't it? Yes, uh, no doubt. Whether you're a formal team or an informal team, absolutely that accountability helps a great deal. Um, you know, we, we, you know we, want, we want everyone out there to have a coach. Heck, we want everyone out there to hire the Mossimo Group to do coaching. But get, at least get some form of accountability with a peer or a teammate and, again, Michael, as I said earlier, make sure you hold consistent meetings to help move yourself forward. Right. And 
have been studying uh, commercial agents who have been successful for 30 years. I've always found it interesting how some of these brokers can be just so successful. And one of the things that uh, I thought was surprising when I first found out about it was it's really the very successful agents that go out and hire coaches. That's absolutely correct. In fact, at the Mossman Group, you know, when we, we, we built the company, we found out quickly that most people that hired us were successful agents that wanted to be go to the next level. They really were. And we've grown since then to, to different demographics in the brokerage community. But it's those top producers that always want to get better. They strive to get better no matter where they are. Right. And what are some other methods that brokers might utilize to improve their, their personal and team motivation levels? Well, you, you know, the accountability, but also I see a lot of collaboration, motivated teams. You have to have an open environment of collaboration, communication. There are no silos at all. This is my deal. You can't see it. I don't see any of that. In fact, when I cross the, the country, in fact, when I go across the continent now, we see more and more collaboration. There are major firms sharing all information. I'm talking with 40, 50 brokers. Every broker has access to the same information, small firms, tiny firms. Same approach. Information is key. So give, give, it, give that thought of collaboration versus a silo approach. And some of the motivation comes from just pride, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I was with a firm, actually, Michael. I'm visiting a client uh, this week in a tertiary market. And they said, you know, they, they always list their top two producers with an internal email every single month. And I said, well, how many brokers do you have? Well, we have, we have 20. <laughs> so I said, wait a minute. I'm sure the top two are always the same, correct? Well, yes. Well, let me list the top ten. You're going to see their motivation move up when you list the top ten, right? It's that pride factor. Great point, Michael. Yeah, that's a good point. I was in an office with, I think, about 50 agents for several years, and, and it, it became not important about the money. It really became, I want to be number one, and, you know, it, it just it bothered me if I wasn't number one. So sometimes that pride is what... And really help you. Well, after a short break, we'll get more dominant broker trade tips from Rod Santamassimo with the Massimo Group. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcasts are brought to you commercial free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some incredible shows coming up in the next six months, including fourth quarter market updates for each of the major property sectors. You don't want to miss those. We also have a show coming up on Twitter for Business. Twitter for Business, that's a great one. A lot of more commercial real estate brokers are having success with social media, so catch that show. If you'd like to know about upcoming show topics, you're invited to sign up for a weekly email announcing the show topic, and you can follow the show on any of your major social media sites you enjoy using. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're covering the traits of dominant brokers. My guest is Rod Santamassimo, author of Brokers Who Dominate. Well, Rod, another key issue for agents is time management. Uh, what are some takeaways for brokers to improve time management skills? Oh, Michael, you hit the nail on the head right there. I love it when folks tell me they're too busy. I'm too busy to do something. Well, busy is busyness. It's not business. You can't be too busy. So 
One thing we always ask our clients and an approach we take is at the end of the day, ask one simple question. That question is, was I paid today? Was I paid today? I-P-A-I-D. What we mean by that is from a time allocation standpoint, the first thing you have to do is you have to identify what you've got to get done that day. Then you've, of course, got to P, prioritize it. You've got to A, allocate the time to get those priority items complete. I, here's a big one now, you can actually do it. Implement. You've got to implement those tasks. And last but not least, D, delegate everything else you cannot do. That I paid approach works so well in allocating your day. So follow those five essentials, I-P-A-I-D, identify, prioritize, allocate, implement, and delegate, and you're on your way to being more productive. Right. It's like some people get so much more done when they're doing that because they're about to go on holiday or on vacation. They really need that type of efficiency all the time, don't they? Oh, that's a great that's a great analogy, Michael. Yes. How much work do we get done the few days before holiday? It's amazing how much we get done. Really important stuff's got to get done. Everything else we'll handle when we get back. Great point. Yeah, and people wonder why things start happening when they're about to go on vacation. That's because they're just being more efficient, right? That's exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, take the same approach to every day. I know top producers, I'll tell you right now, before they go home, they know the next day everything they've got to get done. They've already prioritized their day and allocated the time to do those things. And, of course, more importantly, allocated the resources to get them done. Yeah, that's key. Well, what are some problem areas for time management? Where to do brokers tend to, to maybe lose some time that they don't realize? Well, there's no doubt. We, we, we do ask our brokers, or excuse me, our clients every every year for year-end review. We ask them about product, productivity, how much time they spend, what unproductive activities they, they spend time on. And it's no doubt the unproductive activity list, we look at all the clients across North America, we look at the commonalities, is administrative tasks. Absolutely. Putting together marketing uh, materials. Absolutely. Research is a big one as well. There's no reason to do research in today's marketplace. Other people can do that research for you and at much less cost than you can. So I'd say research, administrative issues, um, marketing packages, all these three time killers for most brokers. And are they also losing some time just maybe checking emails and things like that? Uh, I, you know, email is a great tool, and I, I do believe in the theory. Uh, you know, is written by uh, Tim Ferriss in the in the Four Hour Work Week, which I don't believe exists, by the way. But even, even he suggested there, hey, turn that email off or check it just three times a day. And I'll tell you, when you implement that strategy, turn the email off, or at the very least. Turn that alarm off every time you get an email. What a colossal time waster and distractor. But, yep, check it two or three times a day, and that's all you need. Yeah, too often I think some brokers are staring at their screen and you know, not handling the 9 to 5 like they're on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. That's the way it seems like brokers should be thinking about their business day during those hours, isn't it? Well, but you also said something else there, Michael. You said not handling the 9 to 5. Brokerage is not a 9 to 5 job. It's just not. And the brokers who feel that it is, They'll never jump ahead to the next level because it's not a job. It's your profession. It's your business. What are some other ways, uh, Rod? What are some other time management tips for brokers? Well, look, if you have a CRM, which I believe all brokers should have, utilize the CRM to structure and orchestrate your day. I'll be, I'll be frank. We run the entire Massimo Group now with all our coaches and our clients, and we run through a specific CRM. Yes, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's ACT, but that doesn't mean you should use ACT. But that helps us allocate everything and really prioritize everything. So every day I know when I go to the office, here's what i got to do today. Did I get it done? It checks it off and moves forward. So CRM can be essential 
to help you orchestrate your day and be as efficient as possible. Yes, and, and you mentioned planning. Oh, you know, one thing I found is, is uh, beneficial is to plan each week in advance so that you've got your research done, you know what you're going to be doing that week, and so every morning when you go in, you can hit the ground running. Have you seen that work? Absolutely. Planning ahead is paramount. Also, you have to have, have some flexibility tied in. I never suggest you allocate every hour of the day to something you're doing. It doesn't work. Our business isn't like that. There has to be some, some fluff in there every single day and even every single week. Right, and I thought it was interesting when you started out and you said that you know some of the brokers you'll talk to say, well, I don't have time, I don't have time for this, and they're not doing the prospecting that they need to do, so they hit the laws in their business, don't they? That's amazing. <laughs> Michael, great point. Well, folks don't prospect for two general reasons. A, they feel they're too busy and they're doing their fulfilling business, which is great. You have to fulfill the business, absolutely. But what happens when you fulfill all that business and you haven't prospected? Well, you haven't had anything on the back end, no, no fulfillment on the back end. You have no opportunities left. Your pipeline's dry. Major problem. Second reason is a lot of folks have call reluctance. They just do. They don't know what to say, how to say it, how to position themselves, and therefore, they're not going to make the calls. We have to work on that. Awesome. We also do with the Mossimo Group. Yeah, and you have some call reluctance training, don't you? Yes, we do. We do have a series of webinars, plus coaching is part of our is part of our proven performance system that we do a lot of prospecting. In fact, the, the clients hate it when we say, okay, now we're going to record you and send you the recording. Oh, I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> well, that's how you grow. Hear, hear what you said on the phone. Yeah, we've well, got to be prepared and know what you're going to say. And you've got to add value for clients. Uh, you, you've got to know what value you're adding and be excited about it, don't you? Yes, you do, Michael. Okay. Well, okay, we're going to get more from Rod Santamassimo with the Massimo Group in just a moment. If you appreciate the show, reach out and say hello. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcasts are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Now, if you're looking for a good cause to donate to, check out this web- website, andesarmy.com. That's A-N-D-E-E-S, andesarmy.com. An Atlanta commercial agent's daughter experienced brain injuries. Her daughter, their family, and others in the same position could use your help. The nonprofit mission is to provide assistance to children and their families who are receiving medical treatment and care for non-traumatic brain injuries. The website, again, is A-N-D-E-E-S, Andy's Army. Uh, you can check it out. The uh, link will also be at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're covering the traits of dominant brokers. My guest is Rod Santamassimo, author of Brokers Who Dominate. Rod, it's a great book. How can commercial agents most benefit from your book when they read it? What should they think about, look for, what should they do with it? Oh, great question, Michael. You know, the book itself literally gives hundreds upon hundreds of ideas strategies and tactics that any broker at any level can implement and will have an impact on their business. You know, but similar to a, a training day when you go out and you have a live training day or a, a webinar, even if it's a short webinar, which gives you several ideas as well, the key that we, we tell all our participants and all our readers is, look, do something. Pick one item and just 
put it into practice. You cannot do everything. You may get to a lot of the to strategies and tactics eventually, but pick one thing in the book, whether it be creating the presence, having the, the industry focus, whether it be um, being more client-oriented and some of the tactics you can do there, entertaining the clients. But pick one thing, set a plan to do it for 30 days, and then do it consistently over those 30 days. And that's kind of a significant change on your practice. Yeah, that's a good point. And many of the brokers who dominate in your book are first to arrive at their office, and they all seem to put a lot of effort into their practice. Uh, they have the drive to invest the, for the time and, and education and prospecting to be successful you know, in a business that's really pretty competitive. Is there a common source of this drive that you found when you're doing these interviews? You know, was there a common trait, pride, or something in their past or upbringing that creates this drive? You know, that, that's just funny. We looked, and we did look at that. We looked at who their parents were. We looked, in fact, of where they were born, how they were raised. Um, you know, some of, our, some of those profiles were orphans. Uh, one gentleman was an orphan, uh, Bob Bremer, up uh, with NAI up in the Cleveland area. I look at Faith Consolo in, in New York. Her, she lost her parents, I think, at the age of 12. So how did the parents impact what they did? How did the parents' vocations impact what they did? And that's a great question, Michael. There's no one commonality in regards to what creates these driven approaches to the business. And that's the best thing of all, I think, because it just shows you no matter where you are, how, where you were raised, no matter what you did in the past, whether you were a vacuum cleaner salesman, like some in the book, or uh, a knife salesman, like some in the book, <laughs> or a balloon sales, believe it or not, balloon bookcase, you can be successful as a commercial real estate broker. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Rod, in writing this book, uh, what are some other interesting findings or conclusions that uh, you, that came out of this book? You know, it, it was it was for me it was really the backgrounds and the approaches and seeing how much uh, I'll focus on on um, Eric Northbrook, who is a highlighted chapter in the book. And there's reasons for that. You read the book and find out why. But Eric's two favorite words, two favorite words are this. Number one is lucky. And if you read his story, you say he's, he's anything but lucky. But luck would be number one. And it is, we all have to create our own luck and put ourselves in a position to create that luck. And you, you look at some of these things in the stories in the book and say, wow, they were fortunate to do this. Why did Jerry Anderson, you know, happen to have a childhood friend in Thurman Munson? And how, when he was speaking at a... Uh, at, in fact, the Fuqua School of Business, where he, he spoke at, um, he met a gentleman named Dave Thomas, of course, on Wendy's. Well, that was just luck, right? No, they put themselves in position for luck. Eric's second word, by the way, is we. He never says I. It's always we. It's always based on his team and or his client relationships. That really is a profound impact in all these profiles I look at. Yes, they're lucky in one way or another. You can suggest they're lucky, but they're good. They're really, really good. Yeah, they're putting themselves in that position to be lucky. Well, Rod, we sure appreciate you joining us today and sharing your insight. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. If you'd like more information from Rod Santamassimo and the Massimo Group, or if you'd like to buy the book, Brokers Who Dominate, the website and contact information is available for you at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, I have a question for you. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. I promise you another informative and enlightening show. Thanks for spending some time with us today. I'm Michael Ball. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. <laughs>